Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's April 7, 2019, episode 86. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And we have a dynamic power pack podcast planned for you today, surprisingly, in the doldrums of the NFL offseason. Yeah, there's only a few doldrums that go along, you know, kind of in between that time, waiting after some of the dust dries down from the combine and the scouting and everything. And now we're just sitting here waiting for the draft to happen. Then the draft will happen and there'll be plenty of analysis. You get it digging into the players that your team got, digging the players uh, other teams got, specifically rivals and stuff like that. And then there's another little doldrums when you're waiting for camp to open and then you get the itch to the season to start. But really... It's a year-long calendar with the NFL, and there is plenty to talk about. we got a f- couple things, some think pieces today that we'd like to give our opinion on. So in the interest of transparency, which the Steelers Outpost podcast always is, That's we're right. starting to move away from the deep analysis of players by position, mainly because we both have jobs and there are a lot of people doing this kind of work. Right. Mainly, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's not – we get out there sources for that. My analysis – on vacation this summer will be to look at all the mock drafts and show you how utterly ridiculous and far off these mm. prognostications are as evidenced by the fact that a lot of these guys have done seven mocks by the time the draft rolls around. Right. I think there should be a limit to the mocks. Cause I don't, I, I agree with you in, in the sense that they're sort of ridiculous, but I, I don't agree with maybe if you're, if you're like suggesting that there shouldn't be mocks, cause they are fun. It is a fun thing to do. Like, to imagine what teams could do because inevitably they always screw it up, don't they? And then some other teams do things that are smart that we didn't foresee uh, being, being a good move, you know, like uh, drafting Juju Smith Schuster a couple years ago, Steelers got kind of knocked around for that and look where we are now. But um, yeah, I think they're, they're better. Like I said, last week, I think they're better about uh, towards like, getting you familiarized with the names in the draft. And like you said before, the the reason we're kind of moving away from some of the position player by player breakdowns, it's really just time. And, and like you said, there's other people who are doing this full time and I just haven't had enough time to go over players as much as I'd like. Bec- and I don't want to go over anything like half ass, if you will. But I do have a couple guys to talk about today, just in terms of relevant Steelers prospects. Well, as you mentioned, we're coming up to the draft, and just like I washed a red shirt with my T-shirts last week, so I've been doing rinsing and repeating many times, and the shirts are coming back to white. I think as we get down to draft time, we have a much better idea, at least from our perspective, 
where we think the Steelers will focus. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Maybe you do. I think the, I think we don't, I think that's kind of the awesome thing about this year. I think this is almost the most wide open it's been in a while in terms of who the Steelers can take and the turn, you know, seeing that there's such a glaring need at one position in particular at inside linebacker. And the fact that there's really only two major first round pick type of guys, and then a huge drop off until then the Steelers could end up doing something unpredictable and taking a player at a position where maybe we think that they're already strong. Like let's say tight end. There's a couple kind of transcendent tight end prospects in the draft this year. Well, we've got Vance McDonald already. Well, sometimes it's better to just add to a strength and add a blue chip player in the first round instead of reaching on, on a need. Like we've seen the Steelers fail out a couple of times with an Artie Burns and, you know, jury's still out, of course, on Terrell Edmonds. But that just seemed like somebody you could have gotten later. So there's a, there. But but you are right about one thing. There are some names who are really being connected with the Steelers a lot. And just real quick to go back on the Mac mock drafts thing, it the draft is a lot more fun when you know the people are in it. I you know before I got into the draft and you don't know any of the names except for you know I know Reggie Bush is coming out this year. Um, when you know more of the people, it is a really fun puzzle to look at because there's different ways teams can approach it, and you get more excited about your team, which maybe is worse because I'm starting to think I should get into the business of tempering my expectations from here on out. But here we are. And excising the passion with which we bring this podcast, I don't think so. Hey, so maybe I misstated what I meant. Where uh, the Steelers have been known to take the best possible athlete. I'm not sure that's exactly true. But let's face it, there is almost no, almost every position could be argued to be a position need. In my opinion, quarterback, offensive line, and D-line don't fall into that category. But almost anybody they pick, as long as, as you pointed out, Right. You have an elite athlete is going to fill a hole. I might de- I, at this point, I think I, I definitely would de-emphasize safety and cornerback. I think there are greater needs if I'm having to rank the positions. But clearly, to me, it's still on the defensive side of the ball, as uh, espoused by Bob Labriola time and time again, one of the Steelers' uh, writers. If that means anything. Yeah, the the defensive playmaker. Okay, so let's just get back real quick. Let's brush over it. Last week we said. You know, it's looking increasingly unlikely that the Steelers will be able to land one of the Devons, the dynamic middle linebackers inside the draft. Listen, if they can land one of those guys, that's critical because not only is does it fill a pretty gaping need. You know, obviously, at least right now they have a little flexibility because they have Mark Barron and Vince Williams. And it looks like Bostick's going to stay on as a backup, which is kind of critical now that you lost Fort, which I feel was a bozo move on their part, but at least those guys, Williams and Barron have started and in the NFL, but if you can get one of the Devons, not only are you filling that position in need, but you're getting playmakers. Those guys make plays on the ball. This isn't even like when they drafted TJ Watt, that was a, that was just the most solid pick you could make. It was a position of need. And it was a guy who had a lot of upside who they said could probably start early, but isn't going to be an, it's going to take a little while for him to become an impact guy. And looks, look what's happened. It looks like TJ really is becoming an impact guy, but the Devons, they might be able to make more of an immediate impact. So that will be the home run of the draft. And like we said, there's a lot of teams that are showing interest in them. I think Devin Bush even went in for a visit with the New York giants this week. We're picking at number six, but there's also rumblings that the Cincinnati Bengals 
are going to be looking pretty heavily at a quarterback and they could be taking a quarterback. And that was one of the main teams. The Steelers were worried about swooping in and like taking one of those Devons. So that could take someone off the list. And you just know how these drafts work. People quarterbacks get overdrafted. Blake Bortles went at number three, you know, Christian Ponder. I think he was in that same draft. And I know that that was just one year, but even Mitch Trubisky, it, it seemed like a reach at number two. There is a chance that some of these teams who have a lot of needs, and those are often the guys who could use a middle linebacker because they could use anybody. Some of these quarterbacks, you know, might come off the board and therefore one of the Devons, probably Devin Bush could slide to the Steelers. The Steelers, in my opinion, still might need to trade up to get one of those guys. And it's funny looking on Twitter, seeing all these people saying like, we'll just trade our second round or our second, third round pick. And we'll just swoop right up in there in the top 12 and grab Devin Bush. And I thought uh, one of our friends on Twitter, Derek at Derek, the kid, like summed this up perfectly. He said, you know, that the th- lowest third round pick isn't going to get them all the way up there to take white, right? Or Bush. If you want generational talents, it requires actual capital, not a bunch of day three picks. Then he followed up by saying, yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone in the entire NFL will be willing to move up into the top 10 for a late day two pick and some day three guys who might not make the team. It's so beyond frustrating that people don't understand this. So he's right with that. Uh, you're going to need to actually give some capital to move up. I don't think it's out of the question. The Steelers have done it before and it's a big need, but I think that if some of those quarterbacks go first, there are some serious talents at wide receiver and tight end who could definitely be available, not even slipping. They could just be available for the Steelers at 20. And I don't know about you, but if, if I'm choosing, if the Devons are off the board and we're at 20 and maybe like a greedy Williams, who's probably the best cornerback in this class, but doesn't totally fit what the Steelers like to do. Switching gears real quick. Cornerback is another huge need. Yes, the Steelers signed Steven Nelson. He's not, you know, a great starter. He's kind of like a Mark Barron type situation. At least this guy can start and we're not in a disaster week one, but he's not an ideal starter. He's definitely not a playmaker and Joe Hayden's getting older. So we'd love to get a corner, but of the three or four main corner prospects this year, if you're looking at, you know, Baker, if you're looking at the kid from Washington, if you're looking at Greedy Williams from LSU, there's no slam dunk first round corners this year. None of those guys are a slam dunk. So if I'm choosing between one of those guys at 20 or like a Hawkinson, like a superstar surefire pick at tight end in the first round, or maybe Hakeem Butler or one of these great wide receivers, because there's so many good wide receivers in the draft this year, somebody's going to slide to them. That could be a day one starter and make your offense better immediately. I'll take that over a guy, a corner, who's not going to be able to make that much a difference on a subpar defense. Just make your offense stronger instead of, you know, I mean, the Antonio Brown loss is huge. So uh, what, what do you think about that? Would you take, obviously the corners aren't bad in the first round, but they're just not, there's no Jalen Ramsey this year. There's no Marcus Peters or anything like that. I would take a blue chip player over somebody over a, whatever is lower than just a guy to just a guy. Yeah, just yeah, a just guy a guy to, to, to hey, so who I, could be a good player, I, but it's even though Bell was out for for um the whole season, I still cross my fingers every time James Conner gets the ball. I mean, I, I hope he makes a whole season and 
So behind, behind him, there's not a lot of depth. But what's really interesting is if you have two good tight ends, right. I'm less worried about James Washington being a superstar in year two because you've, 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 made, you've got a lot more weapons up front, and it's a little bit – it's going to be tough to nail down two tight ends and Juju. So I think that takes a lot of pressure off of Juju and whoever takes on the slot. That would be really interesting. But if you get a good wide receiver, nothing wrong with that. Right, because your wide receivers right now are a complete question mark. Last year when we went into the season, I think I said on the podcast, I thought that Juju was going to take a little bit of of a dip in his production from his rookie season because Martavis Bryant was gone. And his rookie season, Juju was getting the, you know, he's obviously playing in the slot a lot, but he's getting the third best corner. And Bryant, even though he wasn't playing that well that year, you still had to respect his deep speed and he was still taking attention. And obviously you had the trader um, playing X as well. But he completely proved me wrong. He he blew his rookie season out of the water by all accounts. So I'm <laughs> I'm hesitant to say this year. Like I want to say it's going to be tough for Juju this year because the tr- the trainer being gone. I mean that's a big deal. They can double team Juju the whole game because you do not have a reliable receiver. And I know people are out there saying James Washington's going to step up. Like I hope he does, and I think he might be able to. Like we said, we've actually seen him show flashes of, you know, dominance in the preseason. And yes, that's the preseason, but he did look very good in preseason and training camp, but he did not show that on any type of consistent basis in the regular season. So you can hope he's going to step up, but you don't know. And then after that, you have a bunch of solid slot receivers and great role players, but you need someone to be on the opposite side of Juju. So I do think if you can get a DK Metcalf or a Hakeem Butler, if one of those guys does slide, maybe even an AJ Brown is, is, is a worthy option. You know, that is something that's worth looking at provided there's not a blue chip option at a larger position of need. Of course, I wouldn't forgo one of those if they're, you know, if they love greedy Williams out of LSU or something, or of course, if one of the Devons available, the one thing I don't want them to do is take Mac Wilson, the middle linebacker from Alabama in the first round who's pretty much a consensus, not first round guy. He's a good player. He's a guy you would want to have on your team. Chase Winovich, who we talked about last week. The other one is that Clellan Farrell, the defensive, the the edge player from uh, Clemson who keeps getting linked to the Steelers, but who's consensus, not like a top seven edge player in this draft is I don't want to take one of those guys at 20. I want to take somebody who belongs in the 20 best football players of this draft, as long as they're not, you know, a quarterback, offensive lineman or defensive lineman, like you were saying, or running back, I guess if you can get one of those. Uh, it looks like from all these mocks that uh, here, I'm going to contradict myself again. A lot of people <laughs> think these, these um, DNs are going to go higher. What if you could get a top five edge rusher? Would you well, go for I'd it now? You would take them. Yeah, that's that's money. exactly what I'm saying. That's a perfect example. Like, it, even if Ed or even if Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson, it, from Iowa or Noah Fant is available at 20, but one of those top five edge rusher prospects is available. You know, like you said, defensive playmaker is a bigger priority, and it's it's weird because you're paying Bud this nine million dollars, but who cares? You know, you, you've already made that decision and then it makes it even easier to let him go the next year. And hopefully one of those top five edge rushing prospects. And there are some really good ones this year, edge rushers. Um, 
you know, hopefully that guy could supplant Bud and then, you know, you're paying Bud, but but it is what it is. You kind of had to pay Bud. Otherwise, you'd run the risk of having a totally bare cupboard. So that's where I'd make that distinction. Like, OK, we got the great receiver and tight end available, but there's a, an edge rusher or, or a corner. Maybe the Steelers love. Maybe they know more than everybody else <laughs> when it comes to defensive back. I don't think so. Then, yeah, you default to one of those positions for sure. Let's let's do this. Rank your three positions that you'd like to field if you could have the player you wanted. Well, inside linebacker is definitely the first one. I would, you know, I would say cornerback, but I just don't see a first round cornerback like that in this year's draft. And then I'd probably say, you know, edge rusher. But I, because, and the only, and I don't say wide receiver because also the receiver class is really deep, and you might be able to get a pretty big stud in the second round as well. But you, I mean, we know what the problem is with this team. It's been the defense. Now you don't have the trader on offense anymore, so we're going to see if the offense is is even able to scratch the surface of what it was able to do before. And yeah, so I do think receiver is a big need, but defensive playmaker is a, a very big need. Let's talk about this continuing drumbeat that Mike Tomlin is on the hot seat. This has been going on. If you search it, you'll see a bunch of articles from December, but they've also had a few articles uh, come out recently where they're talking about, let me see if I can get my quote. Bleacher report just had, had a big report. They have a, uh, they rank the NFL coaches in terms of who's in the worst position to the best. Mike Tomlin is in our top category as scorching hot, hot seat. As if he's ready to see the door. Yeah, that's dumb. And I know some people listen to this podcast and want to hear that. You you want to think that, you know, we're all angry. We're angry at last, at last season. And guess what? Mike Tomlin did not do a great job last season. But is that it? Now we're going to, you know, Ben throws four interceptions and, oh, well, get him out of there. You know, he plays that game against the Jaguars where everything looked doom and gloom. Get him out of there. You wouldn't have given him the chance to recover. You need to give you need to give me a larger sample size of Tomlin doing poorly before you talk about firing him. I'm going to say the same thing I said at the end of last season. He did not do a great job. He has to be measured going forward. If they just bomb this season for whatever reason, if they win five or six games, seven games, then you he should be on his last leg maybe at that point. But we need to see how it plays out this year, because overall, there's really like three or four coaches who, who sort of tower above everybody else. And it's Belichick and Tomlin Harbaugh at, at times Reed and, and Pete Carroll in terms of consistency. So I, it just, it's, it's a trendy thing to just crap all over the Steelers right now. And luckily some of that's starting to die down, but to say his, his seat is scorching hot. seems like a bit of an overstatement. So if you take a look at the actual numbers, Mike Tomlin ranks six in terms of the head coaches from last year, uh, in terms of games coached, he ranks fourth in win loss percentage, but let me tell you, he's behind, uh, Matt Nagy who's had one season yeah, right. and, uh, Sean McVay who's had two seasons. Other than that, it's bill Belichick with 68% win winning percentage and Mike Tomlin with the 65% winning percentage. So he's behind Belichick. Yeah. Cause we can't count two guys who have coached for one in two years. Exactly. So let's look at playoff wins and loss percentage. So Mike Tomlin does um, 53% winning percentage in the playoffs. And how does that compare on making the. Again, some of those new coaches sort of skew that like, oh, if he's 10th place, like, oh, let's go see a, 
a coach who won, you know, Sean McVay's percentage is going to be greatly skewed because he's only been in the playoffs a couple of times. So yeah, I'd like precisely. to see what he's like against, you know, Sean Payton and Pete Carroll and stuff. Yeah, you've got Doug Peterson in there. You have Doug Maroney and um, and Dan Quinn. Around, the yeah, mighty Dan Quinn. Quinn uh, yeah, from uh, Atlanta. Again, what is he? Four years as the coach of the Falcons. So I'm not counting those guys, really. You need to show me a little bit more. Doug Peterson, three years. Doug Marone. Oh, he's been the coach for, I don't know, three years in, three or four years in Jacksonville and a year in Buffalo. And look, and the, and the ridiculous statistic, if you look at, um, conference championships. Well, where does he rank? Hold on. I think you and I were just looking at the graph where the, the listeners can't yeah. see the graph. Where does he, where does Mike Tomlin rank in, in playoff wins or percentage of playoff wins? He has a 53%. He's ranks 10th. He has a 53% winning uh, percentage. Yeah. But the first, yeah. The, but who else is in the top 10? We said Doug Peterson, I'm taking him out. Well, that's Doug Marone, was- yeah. Dan Quinn. So basically He's 53%, and then the three guys right above him are Pete Carroll, Mike McCarthy, and John Gruden are at 55%, basically the same thing, 57% for Sean Payton. And then you got Harbaugh, who's at all the way at 62%, and Belichick, who's at 100%. No, 73%. But I guess we're going too hard on the percentages right here. But if you guys – maybe we can share this chart for you guys so you can just see the numerical – representation of his success, which is over a large sample size. So it does mean something. Well, let's, it's, it's a large sample size for um, the coaches who coached last season. I just, one last interesting statistic, Bill Belichick has nine conference championships. It's too many. Only two. (laughs) It is too many. There should be a mercy role. Only two other coaches have had more than one conference championship. That is Pete Carroll and Mike Tomlin. So to the point you made and, and jumped all over me about last week, where are you going to go? Belichick's not going anywhere. And who wants Pete Carroll? Yeah. Is Belichick available? Well, I mean, we'll do that. But otherwise, yeah, that's just, again, we said at the top of the show, people are looking for things to talk about. Scorching hot is an exaggeration. I, you know, I would take room temperature to warm, you know, above room temperature. I don't think it's not in the Steelers' thoughts, but scorching hot is an exaggeration. Well, I guess the thing is, we're not just limited to head coaches. Uh, presumably, the Steelers would dip, you know, I don't know if you can call three coaches in 108 years a, a trend, but they might reach down to some coordinator. So it sure. might not be transferring a head coach. But this bears some. So uh, other people are trying to attribute the situation in Pittsburgh or, or compare it to the Packers situation uh, yes. with Mike Tomlin and the, uh, his quarterback. Mike McCarthy and his quarterback, another Mike, who's gone now, right? Yeah. If you guys didn't hear about it, it's all over the place. Bleacher Report again. Sent in a a trend here. Some headline grabbers at Bleacher Report. But uh, it's actually – damn, we should have looked up who who wrote the article. I'm going to look it up right – would you mind looking that up real quick so we can give them some credit? Because it's an incredible in-depth article that they wrote on – Mike, basically the dynamic between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Basically what they do is they, they paint Aaron Rodgers uh, relatively fairly as this kind of egotistical mega star who knows exactly how talented he is. They say he's very sensitive. He's kind of got a God complex. A lot of things of what they talk about in the article, which was now that's not him. Just look up, uh, 
Look up McCarthy and Rogers Bleacher Report. It should be basically everywhere. But what they talk about again with Rogers is he's like the ultimate grudge holder. He always hated Mike McCarthy because Mike McCarthy, I actually didn't realize this, but he, he was uh, coaching for the 49ers. I guess he was their offense coordinator or something like that. Uh, when they selected Alex Smith at number one, now nah, that's not it. That's not the article either. They selected Alex Smith, number one. And, uh, he basically said in the media that he thought that Alex Smith was better than Rogers. And we all know that Rogers has held a chip on his shoulder about falling to 24 in that draft or whatever it was when green Bay drafted him. But it is sort of funny to see, like you can never like, forgive Mike McCarthy for doing that. I mean, that's just like a, it's just a scouting decision. It, it was a conversation. It seems hilarious now that Rogers and Alex Smith were being compared at the time, but uh, Aaron Rodgers wasn't God at that time. He was a normal, good quarterback. And then he transcended and there was some sort of ceremony. I don't know what happened, but then he was granted powers through some sort of nuclear football that bit him on the ankle or something. But, um, yeah, anyways, he still hasn't forgiven McCarthy for picking Alex Smith. Number one. My question is, I wonder if McCarthy ever really truly apologized, like (laughs) not that he had to apologize for that, but if he would address that, Cause, cause the way that the article paints him, he doesn't seem like the guy who admits his own mistakes. Like how easy would it be to tell Rogers? Like that was so dumb that I selected Alex Smith over you. Like even just Why would a you ever political move. Well, just Why? a political move. Just keep the quarterback happy. You're trying to win games here, but it seems to me like McCarthy ha- also had a complex of, he didn't want the offense to go right. He wanted people to know that he was the reason why it was going right. The article says that he used to show Packers, like he likes to paint himself as this quarterback guru. And he worked for Kansas city when Joe Montana was there. And he used to show clips of Joe Montana in Kansas city. Like, look what I did. You didn't, you had nothing to do with Joe Montana. You reaped the benefits at the end. And it didn't sound like he was the guy who could give credit to other people. Only a sociopath would believe a political pablum of apologizing, but maybe, maybe Aaron would believe him. Well, that, I guess that's part of the problem with Rogers. They said, you know, he, maybe he is a little bit of a sociopath. They said, they also say that like when it comes to those grudges, even like players on the team were subject to those grudges or beat writers in the area. If they said something wrong about him, he would just freeze them out. He would never talk to them again. Wouldn't give them interviews he sort of famously is, Uh, incommunicado with his own family, like his mom and dad and his brother and everything like that. There are young wide receivers on the team who could get in the doghouse super easily with Rodgers. And then he would phase them out on the actual football field. You know, uh, that sort of seems damaging to his own career. Like you want to give these guys a little bit of a chance, right? But he holds a huge grudge like that. And then that, you know, this past year, it obviously just all collapsed. And Rodgers apparently was changing one third of the play calls was the estimate. Of course, we don't, that's not a fact, but they were saying he was changing that. And, and this next part, you could actually see a little bit if you, if you watch them on TV, but he wouldn't take routine check down throws or design check down throws. He would basically just do the Rogers dance and look for bombs all day. And their offense couldn't score against anybody. So that's kind of the Rogers picture. Now I'm going to move on to the McCarthy picture. And I'm going to say, maybe I'm a Rogers apologist, 
um, because you guys have heard me praise him a lot here. I, I think that Rodgers is the best quarterback of all time. A lot of people agree that he's the most talented and the most skilled. And they, you know, when it comes to throwing power, throwing accuracy, ability to diagnose a defense, ability to be clutch, and especially that mobility where he's able to scramble around in the pocket and out of the pocket to make these huge throws, the crazy Hail Marys that he's had in his career, all kinds of things. And people want to rail back and say, oh, Tom Brady has six Super Bowls. And I would say, if you want to make the argument for Brady as the best, that's fine. Just don't make it as dumb as he just has six Super Bowls because he played like crap in about three of those Super Bowls, including the last one we saw, and he got carried by a defense. Yet you give the credit to Brady as if, he carried this team all the way there and not the other way around. Yes. I know he carried them to other ones, but McCarthy, here's the thing. I just think that it's simple as this. McCarthy should have been out of green Bay a long time ago. And they were holding Aaron Rodgers prisoner. McCarthy is widely known throughout writers. Know this. If you watch their games, you can see this. They run two formations, NFL personnel. There's many personnel guys even quoted within the article saying they green Bay only runs 10 pass plays total. That's all they do. It's basically like, let's run some slants. We're on the smash concept and Aaron will bail us out. And it, they've been like that for years, years and years. And they just rely on Rogers to make magic to generate offense. And then there's the more extreme um, accusations that came through this article that say McCarthy didn't even take place in a lot of the weekly offensive game plan meetings, but then he wanted to call the plays on Sunday. And so you can see that would rub a lot of people wrong. That seems insanely unprofessional. They even went as far to say that McCarthy would sneak a masseuse up through the back stairwell and he would get massages during the offensive meetings, which he categorically denies, but there were, it kind of came up a couple places in the article. So I don't know if it just happened once or something, but this is ridiculous. This isn't a professional coach and you had the most talented at worst quarterback of all time. And you're running a fourth grade offense and you expect that, what do you want Aaron Rodgers to do? Just be okay and take it? Or do you want him to rebel against it? I personally don't have that much of a problem with it, even if Rodgers is a bit of an egotistical douche. Well, if that story about the masseuse is actually true, that might be a good complimentary relationship with Ben in his off-season workouts. That's right. But at least Ben will show up to the, to the meeting. McCarthy doesn't even go. True. So interesting. What are the uh, what would you bet that McCarthy will land another head coaching job next year? Well, he didn't this year, and there were what six other people who who did. So when it comes to betting about it, I don't know. It's 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 kind of murky at this point. But if I do bet on it, I'm going to use my bookie to do it, and I'm going to do it from my phone because they got this sleek mobile interface. Just as long as you visit that my bookie AG online today, they offer betters in all major markets an entertaining lineup of gaming options. They got unique prop bets that you won't find anywhere else, which is a huge plus for you fantasy fanatics. So take advantage of the in-game live betting. You can do over/unders. You can do fantasy. It's great. Visit my bookie AG online today, and don't forget to use the promo code Outpost25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. You play, you win, you get paid. My bookie. So maybe there'll be something to talk about next week. It won't be during our show, but uh, clubs uh, with returning head coaches can begin off-season workout programs on April 15th, tax day. You have two things to look forward to that day. Right. And Russell Wilson apparently demanded that his new contract be negotiated by that time. So if it doesn't happen, we can do a 
you know, thought, think pieces on whether the Steelers will will tri- will will try and sign Russell Wilson after this year if the Seahawks can't get the deal done. <laughs> Actually, P. Butch, who we got to have back on the podcast, and we're going to have him within the next few weeks. P. Butch, cousin Pat, uh, great football mind, great suffering Jets fan. We're hoping for the best for him this year. Although I told him if uh, the running back trader. If he ever has a good run, I'm just I'm gonna boo every time that happens. I'm gonna say go Jets, boo running back. Um, it's gonna be hard to comp- compartmentalize that. But um, he he asked me a purely hypothetical question. Obviously, when it comes to the Russell Wilson stuff, I doubt that they're gonna get a deal done by April 15th. But I also doubt that they would ever be dumb enough to let Russell Wilson, one of the absolute best quarterbacks in my opinion, the third best quarterback in the league behind uh, Rodgers and Mahomes right now. They're not going to let him out. But Pat asked me the, the hardest question I've ever been asked in my entire life. And he said, what if the Seahawks didn't get the deal done? Would you cut Ben? No. To get Russell Wilson on your team, on the Steelers. Would you do it? It's a business. <laughs> oh, you can't say that. I said this. Somebody has to say it. All right. Well, first off, you c- nobody cuts Ben. Under penalty of death, you can't Nobody cut backs him. baby into a corner. Nobody puts baby in a corner. All right. That being said, the Steelers' way is to force him into retirement just a little bit early, <laughs> like they forced Bruce Arians and Dick LeBeau into retirement. And then you pick up a superstar QB who's got another seven years. You roll with him with Juju. But, you know, at the end of the day, I say, screw it. I'm going down with the ship. I can never, I can never put baby into a corner like that. What about you guys? Nah, don't tell me the answer. You know, no, what about you guys? <laughs> you can hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost and let us know if you think we should force Ben into retirement in lieu of oh, uh, Russell Wilson. Leave us a note on our so website, SteelersOutpost.com. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at Gmail and check us out on IG, Steelers Outpost. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers. Okay, bye bye. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.